It turns out Spectacle Rock isn't the only entrance to death. This is Legendary Adventures, a Legend of Zelda podcast. I'm your host, Paul Riley. This week in Zelda 2, we explore the town of Ruto, meet some guy named Error, save a trophy, and use a new spell to travel south to Soraya and Medora Palace. We also meet a guy named Bagu and take on the treacherous Death Mountain. Having completed Parappa Palace, we venture back through the now-lighted cave and head west along the road to the town of Ruto. It's possible to visit this town prior to Parappa Palace, but it only becomes necessary to travel here once we have the candle in hand. The townspeople in Ruto offer more hints. Of immediate importance, a woman in a red dress tells of a missing trophy. It's been taken by the Goria to the Tantari Desert. The handy map found inside the manual shows us that the desert area is to the northeast of Rutu. It features a cave where our candle will come in handy. We're also told to find a magic container in a cave south of the castle. First we head to the Tantari Desert. The cave here is not overly difficult with the candle in hand. There are jumps to make and multiple enemies to defeat. We acquire the trophy and head back the way we came. We then head to the cave south of the North Castle. It also doesn't pose much of a challenge. Inside we find a magic container, which is similar to the heart container, except this one expands the magic meter. It's also worth noting that on the other side of the mountain range, we can see the next dungeon, Medoro Palace, giving us a solid idea of where our next destination is. Returning to Ruto, we return the trophy to the woman in the red dress. She then invites us in to meet her father. He teaches a new spell, Jump. It greatly increases how high Link can jump. There are more hints offered by the townspeople. One person tells us not to travel to the south unless we have a candle. Luckily we do. Another mentions a hammer, Spectacle Rock, and Death Mountain. The hammer we have heard of before, and both Spectacle Rock and Death Mountain were locations from the first game. Both will return here, and it turns out that this hint is essential to completing the game. We also meet a man who only introduces himself. I am Error, he says. This has kind of become a meme in certain circles online. I've seen many commentaries that act as if this is just a random bit of nonsense, but it is actually important. We'll return to error later in the game, in fact in the next episode of this podcast. We now head to the south of Ruto. We find a cave there. With the candle our way forward is plainly visible. There are plenty of enemies to defeat, including Octorox and Goria. Also notable is a tall ledge. Players cannot reach the top of the ledge even by jumping, Unless, of course, they use the jump spell to jump very high. This is an example of a hard lock within the game. Remember, these are elements that game developers use to put limits on where the player can explore until they have the right item or story progression. In this place, players cannot go south without the candle and the jump spell. This means that players will have to explore and find and complete Parappa Palace before moving to the more difficult areas to the south. Through the cave, we enter the swamps of Medoro. To the south of the swamp and across a bridge we find the town of Soraya. Up to this point the game has done a good job of clearly offering the player direction on how to complete the main quest. With our entrance into Soraya, however, the path becomes less clear. A man at the entrance of town warns us that the spies of Ganon are everywhere. And it turns out that some townspeople that we talk to will reveal themselves to be agents of Ganon and transform into monsters. This is a great bit of storytelling, but in terms of gameplay, I don't like it. It made me not want to talk to townspeople. But talking to them reveals important hints. It's necessary, 
but now it carries an element of risk. As with Ruto, we'll find a woman who gives a quest in order to get access to the next old man in spell. She has lost a mirror and wants us to help find it. To my knowledge, there is no direction on how to find this mirror. There are no graphical elements to represent it. There's no hints anywhere that I'm aware of that tells where it is. I used a walkthrough to discover that players need to duck and stab near a table in an empty house to the west of the woman's home to find the mirror. When we return with it, the woman allows us to enter her home and speak to her father. He grants us the life spell. The spell is essential as enemies do not drop health refills in this game. We then head north then west to find the Medoro Palace within the swamp. This palace is much larger than Parappa. Now, as with Parappa Palace, there are three distinct areas, each marked with an elevator. The first two elevators move between three basement-level floors. There's no real theming to the dungeons in Zelda 2. Dungeons in the original game weren't really themed either. But this dungeon does feel distinct from Parappa Palace thanks to a dramatically different visual theme. In the first game, the colors of the dungeons changed, but the background tiles themselves didn't. Here, the color and the appearance of the background tile changes, and the change in visuals does indeed make a difference in how the dungeon feels. So I initially walked away from this dungeon feeling it was completely unique to Parappa Palace, but there was one room that seemed pretty familiar, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it was an exact duplicate of a room found in Parappa Palace. Both rooms contain a key. Now, repeated rooms aren't new to the Zelda series. We saw plenty of them in the original game. In the original game, Takashi Tezuka said that they were trying to save space, and so they laid out each of the dungeons as sort of a jigsaw puzzle on paper. And I theorize that they used repeated rooms within those dungeons as part of that space-saving attempt. They wound up saving too much space, resulting in the second quest within Zelda 1. It's possible that the developers were trying to save space here as well although there's no second quest. The closest thing is the ability to replay the game fully leveled up with all magic spells. It's basically the mode that I'm playing right now. I'm not sure why there are repeated rooms here. Again, they could be trying to save space, I just don't actually know. Despite the repeated room, this dungeon still finds ways to stand out on its own. The item found here, the handy glove, is even used to complete the dungeon. So here's how I tackled getting through this dungeon. Now, exiting off the first elevator on the basement level, I ran into a locked door. So I had to go down to the middle floor, head left through the repeated room to get a key, I then went down to the bottom floor, went right to find a second key, and then back up to the first floor, and moved west through the locked door into the second wing of the dungeon. Picked up a third key along the way. The second elevator grants us access to two new floors. On the second floor, we'll find the dungeon item, the handy glove. It allows us to break through certain blocks with a sword strike. There are even some of these breakable blocks that fall from the ceiling in the room just before we reach the handy glove. However, we don't really need to use the item in this room. Where we need to use it is on a lower floor. There are two barriers that we have to break through in order to reach the third elevator. After reaching the third elevator, we can continue east to get a key and then descend to the lowest level of the dungeon. The boss of this dungeon is Helmet Head. This is another knight enemy. And as with the previous boss, we target its head. But this time, the game gives just a little nod to Guliok from the original game. As Helmet Head takes damage, he will lose a head, which will then float around the room and cause some trouble for Link. After a few more hits, Helmet Head falls. 
We then pick up the key that the boss leaves behind and place the crystal and the statue the next room over. Before leaving the dungeon, we're rewarded a level up. With the palace complete and turned to stone, we return to Soraya. The town spans a river, but a guard tells us the bridge is only extended for members of the town. How to move forward is not really clear. In one building in town, there is a slime monster called a bot. It will not attack us. Speaking to it reveals it's asleep. I have learned from other players that we're supposed to attempt to speak to it over and over again until it finally gives us a hint that its master is in the forest to the north. This is apparently supposed to lead us to a house in the forest that is unmarked on the map. The house is also surrounded by unmarked battle squares. If we reach the house, we'll meet Bagu, who gives us a note that will allow us to cross the river. Once on the other side of the river, we come to Death Mountain. In the first game, we were told that Spectacle Rock was the entrance to Death Mountain, but it turns out there's a back door. This time around, Death Mountain is depicted as a brutal maze of caves. It doesn't immediately resemble the location that we saw in the first game, but there is in fact a recreation of the original Legend of Zelda world map on a smaller scale on the other side of Death Mountain. We're supposed to find our way through Death Mountain to reach Spectacle Rock. The caves are full of tough enemies, including the Daira, an axe-willing alligator monster that hits hard. Link's shield does not block the Daira's axe. We'll also run into a red variant that throws axes. This is the point where I've stopped on previous playthroughs. It's a brutally difficult section. The life spell and the shield spell are essential. I used a walkthrough to find my way to Spectacle Rock. And if I hadn't have been fully leveled up, I likely would have quit here again. Spectacle Rock may not be immediately recognizable to the players. There's a cave entrance next to a rock. They're side by side just like Spectacle Rock was in the original game. It's here that players should take a close look at the surroundings to see the original game's map. The implication here is that that cave is the entrance into Death Mountain made by Link in the original game. Inside the cave, we find the hammer. With the hammer in our possession, we can press the A button on the overworld to destroy rocks. There's a rock just outside the cave that can be hit with the hammer, and it leads to another magic container, raising our magic level and completing this section. Next week, we'll visit the town of Mido and the island palace. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to follow along, please subscribe. Please also consider sharing it with another Zelda fan. You can play Zelda 2 on the Nintendo Switch NES online service with a subscription. I'm Paul Riley. I'll see you next week.